Struck by track, I'm your host Darren. Today we'll be talking about Big City, the final track from Prince's final album, Hit and Run Phase 2. Recorded October 2011 at Paisley Park and released on the 23rd of June 2013 at first uh, as part of a Third Eye TV video stream. Um, uh, an instrumental version had been played a couple of months before that. Uh, and that was also tweeted out on the uh, MPG Twitter account. Uh, and then by the time we got to December 2015, um, uh, particularly 12th of December 2015, this that was when this was finally collected as part of Prince's final album. Mm. Uh, on the track, we have uh, it is credited to Prince and the New Power Generation, which in this case consists of Shelby J, Elisa Deese, Liv Warfield, who, of course, all three of those were backing vocalists on most of 2010. Uh, we have John Blackwell returning on drums for One Last, uh, one last Time. Uh, and then we also have uh, Ida Nielsen, who is on bass. Uh, obviously, later on, she would uh, end up playing on Third Eye Girl. Um, and then we have Cassandra O'Neill, BK Jackson, Marcus Anderson, Adrian Crutchfield, Sylvester Onyaki, uh, Keith Anderson, Linguisette, Steve Reed, Phil Lasseter, Nick Marchione, uh, Roy Agee and Joey Rayfield. A few of those guys we have heard on other tracks. Uh, and they are all playing horns on this particular song. And then we also have, I'm going to say co-lead vocals, although I think it's credited as background vocals, uh, to Ladisi, uh, mm. who, uh, whose real name is Ladisi uh, Young. Uh, and she has been, uh, I don't know, well, active since about 1995 uh, on, a number of, uh, on a number of albums. Uh, she's released uh, a couple of uh, albums of her own. In 2011, she had released an album called Pieces of Me, uh, which is not a track-for-track track cover of the Jewel album, uh, but is instead her own album. Uh, she played at the White House seven times. Oh wow! Uh, which you know, uh, it, which is which, which is quite impressive. Uh, most importantly, uh, she you know obviously here gets a guest vocal on uh, on this Prince track, which I think is interesting because. Like I say, it's credited as background vocals, but to me, you can really hear her voice at the, t- at the kind of top of the mix, um, you know. But obviously, it's it, you know, it's it's mostly a Prince song. Yeah. Uh, when when this was originally streamed, uh, there was either a fifty-four second clip, which was on the MPG Twitter account, or two minutes and twenty of it on the Third Eye TV show. Um, uh, and the track itself is uh, well, it comes up as six minutes and twenty-six. Uh, but the final 45 seconds is nothing but silence, uh, which to me suggests that maybe Prince wanted to put like a hidden track at the end of the CD or something, as he had done previously on, you know, 2010 and a couple of other albums. Uh, but for some reason, he did not. Mm. Um, so we'll never know what was meant to come after those final 45 seconds of silence. Uh, but I think it's interesting that, you know, basically Prince's first ever track for you is like a minute and something. Uh, and so you could probably play that just over the end of those 45 seconds. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. 
and then loop all the way back around and start all over at the beginning. Joining me to talk about this track today is Elliot Wallace. Hello, Elliot. Hello. As this is obviously the final track of Prince's final album, and this is your final appearance on mm. the podcast, I feel like it is inevitable that we must talk about Prince's death. Um, you know, a yeah. subject that I have avoided for, you know... I don't know, 500-something episodes yeah. of this podcast. Um, you know, I felt it was only appropriate, you know, as each guest finishes on this uh, podcast to, you know, have them talk a little bit about how, uh, in particular, kind of like, uh, do you recall where you were when you kind of heard about Prince's death? You know, how did you find out about it? And, you know, your, your kind of personal reaction to, um, you know, hearing about it. And obviously, you know, the inevitable, I mean, you know, it happened on a Thursday, so... I think by the time we got to the weekend, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of Prince everywhere yeah. after Prince's death. Yeah. Um, so I work at a, uh, a television news network. I work on their digital side. And on that day, I remember I had the data off on my phone because it was getting like used up. Uh, it was like a family plan. It was getting all used up. So I couldn't really use it. So I couldn't get the breaking news like I probably would have. Uh, but by the time I had got to work, it was just plastered all over the television. And I was like, wait, is this a joke? And I like I, my face dropped and it was just rough. And my reaction was to openly weep at work for two days. Now, what's funny, I just want to say, now looking back at it, uh, about three years later, it's funny now, and it's kind of like a joke with my coworker, because the company I work with, it's a, it's a Chinese news organization, and she's Chinese, and she had no idea, like, I had started maybe about three or four weeks ago, uh, or weeks earlier, and she had no idea why this new guy was just weeping openly at work. She did not understand it. <laughs> and but like now it's it's funny to kind of look at it. And it was also funny because she was talking to another coworker um, like after it happened. She said, why didn't you just take off work and take a sick day? And I was like, I didn't even think of that. And it was just yeah. a rough couple of days, and I, I tried to write, like, a really... I don't even remember. I don't think it's even any good, but I tried to write, like, a, a eulogy of just what the situation, how it made me feel, and it was just a really difficult couple of days. So I found out about it when getting into work, and I spent most of those days crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that the weird thing is, you know... Uh, like by the time by the time it was announced over here, it was kind of a lot later in the afternoon than mm. you know in America. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really weird because uh, you, you know like the uh, the like the the kind of weekend or so before his plane had gone down, right. and there was talk of like pneumonia and stuff. So I think like people kind of maybe thought, oh, this is just like another health scare. Oh yeah, exactly. Maybe it's not you know maybe it's just pneumonia again, and uh, you know we'll like it'll be announced that he's fine, and you know. Obviously, he was not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, let's talk about this then. The final, the final track of the final album. Uh, it's it's yeah. kind of it's kind of weird to uh, you know arrive at this. Um, <laughs> when when I kind of announced I was doing this podcast, I I listed it as every Prince song from "For You" to "Big City." So. Uh, you know, that here we are at, at, at the, <laughs> at the end city, of yeah. that sentence, basically. Yeah, the big city part of that sentence. Um, 
And I, you know, I think, it, you know, obviously Jam, Blom, John Blackwell's uh, influence is felt here in this song because this feels like a kind of, um, uh, I don't know, like I would say like an R&B jazz ballad that Prince is kind of doing. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, uh you yeah, know, I, that's what that's I what thinking... I mean. Maybe not a maybe not a ballad. Maybe just like a straight up, just kind of like jazz song. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the horns that are on there. Well, yeah, I was definitely thinking more of okay. Well, it was a number of things. I was thinking kind of it, it reminds me of uh, "Living for the City" from Stevie Wonder's. Uh, you know, without kind of like the the, the social commentary of that song, uh, but it also reminded me a bit of the Jeffersons uh, theme song um okay but like it's just like a, a big jazz r&b number that's what i think of it i don't i don't think of it too much as, as a ballad i think maybe it's because there is this uh you know there is this thing of like uh in the song you know there's this whole um uh wherever we are together and the you know uh wherever we're in a big city yeah. and the it's our time so i don't know if it, it feels like maybe it's like even though ladisi is like I say, background vocal. It, she's so high in the mix. It sounds like it's almost kind of like a, uh, you know, Peebo Bryson and whomever he's singing a Disney song with style ballad. You know, Peebo uh, Bryson. Maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm. Maybe that's where I'm getting from this. Like the kind, of, <laughs> the kind of, the fact that it's too like a male and a female voice singing together about a particular subject. Yeah. Uh, kind of maybe makes it feel like it has a little bit of a ballad feel. But yeah, I mean, you know, with the horns and with John Blackwell, you know, it can't help but be, you know, kind of very jazzy. Um, and I also like the Prince. You know, even in his final song, he comes up with a new nickname for people. <laughs> Polaroid. He starts the song. You yeah, know, he says, "I'll write you Polaroid." To read those lyrics. That felt really dad. <laughs> yeah. If that's a good like adjective to use, that's, that's like that's such a dad expression. Yeah, like so. Instead of saying people, he's saying Polaroids, and I'm like, I don't know. I like, I'm not sure how I get to Polaroids. Um, like, I can understand people saying something like "ladies and germs" because you know. It's you know shortening the word gentleman down to kind of its basic, yeah. but I don't understand how we get to Polaroids. I don't know how we go from people to Polaroids like that. That I don't I don't know what the steps are in between there, but it's like okay, Prince. I guess I guess, I guess you know we were calling women Stellas many years ago, and now we're calling everybody Polaroids. Yeah, he did change his name to a symbol for a period of time, so I think trying to understand his logic. Well, I mean that's a little different, but yeah. sometimes understanding his logic is a it can be a, 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 a struggle. Yes, and he declares, you know, wherever we are, it's a big city. Do a little hotel oh, yeah. room or working on a farm. I don't think Prince has ever worked on a farm, but I like the sense mm-hmm. of it, Prince. Uh, I mean, maybe in that case, the we is more, you know, uh, rather than the royal we, it's the it's the third person we. Yeah. If everybody is a star to me, you are the most pretty. So, you know, that, again, that feels like maybe this is something he's addressing to the DC. Uh, I'm in the big city, the big city, the big city, whenever I'm in your arms. Um, now, he misses the chance here because he sings Bright Lights, A Sea of Faces. And of course, you know, one of his songs was on the soundtrack for Bright Lights, Big City. And it just feels like a missed opportunity that he never at any point in this song ever just, you know. I've, maybe he was trying to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess maybe he's not a, a CeeLo fan, uh, as we should all not be a CeeLo fan. Um, you know, uh, something tells me this is going to be fun. Uh-huh. Tonight's the night. Uh, and all, all the places that I'm going to fall in love, it's got to be this one. Uh, so I kind of, you know, I kind of like what the, the kind of positivity the prince has here. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and also I like the kind of tonight's the night, uh, which uh, I don't know, in a really weird way, reminds me of a terrible song that Danny DeVito sings to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger when they're getting ready for their dates. 
uh, where he keeps singing Tonight's Your Night Bro at him, which is just an awful... Like, Danny DeVito singing is terrible, and in that film it's just cringe-inducing. Uh, but whenever anyone says Tonight's the Night, it just inevitably pops into my head. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. There'll never be anybody... That's, that's better than having Rod Stewart, I won't, well, I won't yeah. lie, because for me it is Rod Stewart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the sexiest of all the 70s Scottish singers. Uh, there'll never be anybody happier than this. Let's make a vow and seal it with a kiss. I, again, like I'm, I, this, I, this kind of is... I mean, there's a line later on where Prince says the night is young, much younger than we are, so... I, I mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of Prince's mortality in here, but also there seems to be such a kind of positive, upbeat thing of like, you know, wherever Prince is, it's a big city. And I don't know like yeah. what that sentiment is meant to mean exactly. <laughs> like, I guess I, I, it's it's that love aspect. I mean, it is kind of being head over heels in love. That's what it feels like. And there's a a kind of. I, don't, I was gonna say like not childishness, but there's like a a childish joy in it and i think that's what's really appealing to me a youthful joy with these lyrics and it's also so positive but it also i feel it feels like it's saying a lot to people in general saying you know you can survive in this world in its own way but i don't know if i'm 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 i think that because this is like what he more or less was leaving us with before any of us would expect or just because that's that's how i feel about the song it's just it is overwhelmingly positive and that's great and i do kind of like this you know uh it's our time we're in line for the big break which you know 39 albums in uh 500 something songs in feels like uh you know if if ever you were to have your big break prince i think you got it a long long time ago um, mm. You know, everything is looking up when you're this low to the ground, which uh, I guess call, recalls to me the song Solo uh, from Come, where, you know, he says the curb looks like a skyscraper, which is uh, probably one of the better lines on that in that particular song. And so this kind of like everything is looking up when you're this low is, again, it's a kind of positive way to put a spin on something that might be seen as a bit negative. Um, and I do like this, you know, let's get a big brush and paint this town, <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. paint the town obviously being a bit of a cliche, but I do like the Prince kind of changes it up a little bit here. Um, and I don't know, we, we have the chorus a few times throughout here. Um, and I like towards the end as we get this, you know, this, uh, you know, everybody's getting money instead of getting saved. Uh, not you and me, honey, we already gave, uh, just as long as I got you, I don't care. Come what may. Uh, and the little exclamation of, well, she's in the big city, <laughs> which is like, OK. And, uh, and obviously Prince has to kind of turn it a little bit kind of towards God there um, with people getting oh, yeah. saved. And then, of course, he says, I just came to tell you all from the darkest desperation to the highest bliss power to the ones aware of the bigger than this. <laughs> so, again, has to throw in a God reference. Big city. Where's my guitar? What's going on? Everything good. And then, of course, you know, we have a little bit of a, a break. Um, but yeah, I don't, and I kind of like it towards the end as well, how we get this, you know, taking it back to the lane to give it to the man plain, uh, Foxy and you, what you want to do. And then, you know, I, I like that the final lyric the Prince sings is that's it. Yeah. I can, I just, that just reading it and, and seeing it and hearing it, that, that does a cut a bit that does affect me just because it feels like he knew he was leaving but it also feels like there was going to be like i mean and there is more but there is going to be more that he was going to be you know producing and it's still like really strange to like 
that last line, you know. Yeah, especially when, you know, you think of his, you know, the first ever song he did, which just has the lyrics, you know, all of this and more is for you with love, sincerity and deepest care. My life with you I share. And that, you know, turned out to be true, you know, from from age 20, you know, until almost 60, two thirds of his life he shared with the, the general public, um, yeah. you know, producing music. Uh, you know, 39 albums in, uh, well, I mean, uh, I think at the time of his death, he was, what, 58? So from age yeah, from so. age 20 to 58, 39 albums means just slightly more than one album a year uh, for every year that he was, you know, uh, working. Which, you know, I guess that's a lot of stuff to keep up with, as I found out, as I've gone through every single track. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you do kind of get to the end of this album and... Um, it doesn't feel like this is, you know, this was Prince's, you know, idea of like a final project or that that was even on his mind. Uh, you yeah. know, the fact that it was hit and run phase two, it always, you know, I've said this on other tracks. It feels like maybe hit and run phase three and phase four were kind of ready to come out. You know, he had released songs in between these albums, uh, you know, stuff like De Bourgeoisie and Free Yourself, which, you know, didn't find their way into either of these albums. So it felt like maybe he was saving, you know, three or four of these tracks that hadn't found their way onto albums for you know the next album i mean there's a song by um, third eye girl called what if that wasn't on the album plectrum electrum so so you know there was a couple of other i think there's also a song called boyfriend as well so there's at least like four or five other songs that prince had done with you know um third eye girl and and kind of released around this time where it's like well he could have you know give him just a two or three more tracks and that's that's a, you know that's hit and run phase three you know like um, you know, probably somewhere out there, you know, he had the idea of maybe, I mean, I don't know how long this branding would have lasted, given that, you know, in the past, stuff like One Night Alone and 3121, you know, were, were a big deal for like a year and a bit, and then they went away and he, he completely changed tack. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you don't know if like, the, the, you know, he, he I, I don't think he ever thought this was his final album, but it did feel like he had an idea of like, okay, you know, I've done a side project effectively with Third Eye Girl alongside Artificial Age. And then the next phase of it is, you know, hit and run phase one and two. You know, there's a few more songs out there, you know, throw another couple of songs, you know, out digitally or something or uh, and then you've got yourself phase three and maybe, you know, another, mm. you know, maybe another Third Eye Girl album out there. <laughs> you know, it just it felt it felt like he, you know, when he returned from that kind of break between uh, 2010 and uh, and plectrum electrum artificial age it felt like he was coming back with a lot of kind of ideas and ready to kind of you know go in a different direction the fact that he went back to warner brothers for like distribution you know kind of built like mending that bridge just feels like you know that wasn't like just him kind of being like oh before i go i've got to make up with warner brothers that felt like him being like right. okay warner brothers were good to me for you know 15 16 years however long it was maybe it's worth going back to them and seeing if they can give me you know like now that he'd kind of been independent for so long it's like maybe if i go back to them i've got you know i'm the one who's got the negotiation you know i can i can go in there and say look i want to release two albums on the same day and they can't say no to that anymore <laughs> like if yeah. prince wants to I do play that, the super bowl damn it yeah that's it i'm in the rock and roll hall of fame you know i no. you know like that everything that he'd done since leaving warner brothers it felt like he went back to them just be able to say look you know, you can you can distribute my next few albums, but it's got to be on the terms that I want. You know, hit and, hit and run phase one and two were like, I don't know, like four months apart, something like that, <laughs> five months apart. You know, like so, it, and and they only came like less than a year after he'd already released two albums. So like, 
you know, in the final kind of like 18 months, he released four albums really quickly. And, you know, he was doing a lot of small gigs and it just felt like he was reinvigorated. And, you know, yeah. Third Eye Girl had kind of, you know, kind of helped bring back his, his kind of love of rock. And Joshua Welton seemed to be giving him kind of like new ideas in terms of, you know, uh, some of the other stuff that he was doing around that time. Uh, and then, you know, Hit and Run Volume 2, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff on here that kind of, uh, like this song, that kind of feels like Prince. I mean, obviously, this is effectively from the archive of like four years previous. Uh, yeah. But it still feels like you know this is this is part of a period of creativity following on from 2010 that you know he's he's kind of got a lot of the material and he's ready to kind of release it and uh, and then obviously you know things didn't go to plan so yeah. uh, but I don't know I would say for me four out of five uh, you know um, I would give it a five <laughs> I give it a five it, I I just get being a, being around a song but being around this song it's so invigorating and it's just. It it, it 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 impacts me and it affects me in such a un, unique way. And it, but it's also the, the kind of the last thing he gave us. But it's something that he wanted to give people, you know. And it's such a positive thing to give people. And also, I think like you know the fact that uh, L- like Ladacy is getting like the kind of um, like the co lead vocal as well. It's like it's like right to the very end. He you know he's still. Uh, kind of willing to give younger artists the spotlight and you know just like you know Third Eye Girl was you know a bunch of younger um, you know younger uh, you know younger people uh, like he still had like an eye for you know uh, this this person is probably you know going to be something and he wasn't wrong you know she's she's released a few albums she's worked with some other people and you know it like as far as as far as like you know her potential i think she still can do more you know like uh the same as uh i think was it lizzo was on plectrum electrum on boy trouble and obviously she's huge now and i don't know it's it's just one of those things where it's like even towards the end prince was still kind of finding people and kind of you know recording with them and uh and you know kind of showcasing you know new talent um and i mean i guess if you i mean I, I don't know. You, I don't. Some people would feel divided on calling Joshua Welton new talent, but you know, there's no denying that Prince kind of brought him on as a producer and felt that he was at least on the same level as him. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It just like it does feel to me a lot like Prince. You know, in these in these final few albums, had like uh, you know an idea of of what he wanted to do, and uh, you know, the, I mean, the weird thing is, of course, you know, the singles off Hit and Run phase. Uh, phase two stretch all the way back to like 2012 through 2013 into 2015 so it's like you know it wasn't like a normal release strategy it was just prince kind of putting stuff out and then you know i guess someone saying you need to put an album out and prince being like okay here's you know here's a bunch of here's a bunch of music that we're going to put together um and just call it an album uh, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I still think it's like kind of you know the the, the these last two albums are a really strong batch of material, um, you know, and and you know kind of at least as a Prince fan, if you you know if you enjoy the stuff from like the, you know the kind of the eighties or whatever, at least worth listening to these last few albums just to kind of hear, um, you know, that Prince was still as vital as he had been, you know, mm. twenty thirty years earlier, um, yeah, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Prince, uh, he played this song on, uh, on the, you know, the piano and a microphone tour, uh, you know, the final performance was the 21st of March, 2016, which, uh, you know, 
it's weird because you think you think oh well you know that was kind of like a month before his death um so that was so long ago but that's you know that's only three yeah. years ago <laughs> it's not it's not been that long um but yeah he also performed it in like 2013 14 you know just after he'd uh you know obviously with uh you know, third eye girl and stuff um and just before he started piano and microphone tour so obviously you know it was a song that was kind of a regularly in his set list and you know obviously he must have enjoyed playing it uh, but like we say, just finishes with forty-five seconds of silence, and uh, you know, and if you're if you're a Prince fan, that's it. That's you know, you get to the end of this album, and uh, you know, there's no more material. I guess there is some more material because I've got a few more episodes after this to cover, you know, a little bit more of that material. Um, but for me, you know, as a Prince fan, this is you know, this is the last thing that Prince wanted put out into the world, and so you know, this is this is kind of uh, where I almost draw the line. Um, you know, I'm going to, there's a couple more tracks I'm going to cover after this, but I, you know, I've said it many times before, but I feel people need to hear it on this, the final track of Prince's final album. I'm definitely not going to talk about anything that comes out of the vault, you know, Prince put it in, save it for a different podcast. Well, Prince put it in the vault for a reason. And you know, the reason was he didn't want people to hear those songs because he didn't feel that they were ready to be released or, you know, that maybe he wanted to record a bit more on them or, you know, there's some tracks on this album that were recorded first in like the early 80s and Prince kept going back to them. So, you know, if Prince if Prince wanted to release songs, th- there was nothing really to stop him from taking them out of the vault, you know, adding a little bit to something to them if he wanted and then, you know, putting them on an album. Um, you know, I'm sure I will end up listening to all of the songs that come out of the vault, you know, uh, uh, in, in future years. Um, but for me, you know, this is the end of Prince's career. This is the this is the kind of stopping point that you know he didn't get to choose, but this is the stopping point that um, you know is the last material he wanted us to hear. So uh, you know, I'll I'll listen to everything else that comes out of the vault, no doubt for the next I don't know ten twenty years, <laughs> like how much stuff is in there. Um, but I I don't feel the need to kind of talk about it. You know, from from right. from this point on, I'm basically just a Prince fan who'll listen to whatever they put out. Uh, but I'm mm. I'm not going to be a podcaster about those tracks. Um, you know, if some if some other podcasts that cover Prince want to cover everything that comes out of the vault, then you know they can spend the rest of their lives covering those tracks. But uh, you know, for me, this this project was always about you know the stuff that Prince put out while he was alive, and you know his death is effectively the full stop on his career for me. Um, so, but uh, you know. Uh, I feel like we've said about as much as we possibly can about Big City, and uh, also, you know, I feel like I've covered about as much as I can about uh, Hit and Run. Um, you know, I will talk about Moonbeam Levels. Um, you know, uh, just because I, I feel like you know that's a that's a bootleg that a lot of people had for many many years, and you know the the inevitable release of it was kind of just basically people getting a decent copy of a bootleg. So, um, you know, I will cover that, but. I don't feel the need to cover anything else. Um, you know, the kind of piano and microphone 1983 and, and all the rest of it. Uh, as, as, much as, as much as it's nice to kind of talk about uh, some of the kind of the stuff that was in the vault, uh, you know, there are enough bootlegs out there that if people want to hear some of the stuff in the vault, you know, if you just, if you Google literally prints in any year on YouTube, you'll find someone has uploaded as many kind of bootleg tracks from that particular year onto YouTube for you mm. to listen to. So there's nothing to stop people from listening to those. But... Uh, you know the kind of the order of their release and the kind of quality of them and all that kind of stuff varies so wildly. I don't feel it's really fair to kind of judge Prince. Uh, not that I'm ever judging Prince, but you know, obviously most of these episodes ends with me giving a mark out of five, and I don't feel like I can give anything that's kind of you know just a bootleg a grade out of five because Prince didn't get the final say on how you heard it. So uh, right. you know, 
I mean, at least with Moonbeam level, he'd kind of finished the song and just put it back into the vault. So, you know, I feel like it's okay to judge that song, but everything else that comes out of the vault is probably going to be, you know, the most unfinished material. And as Prince fans, I think, you know, the main kind of sorrow is that Prince won't get to, you know, we'll hear new material, but it won't be new. You know, it'd be old new material. And we won't get to hear Prince kind of commenting on whatever's going on in the day. You know, whatever technology comes along, we won't hear Prince talk about it five years too late. And, you know, mull how people aren't, you know, calling him on like the, the holographic phone or whatever. Um, you know, so you, I, I don't know. That's that's the, the kind of true tragedy, you know, is obviously, you know, his life being cut short. Um, but also just the fact that, you know, you don't you, you can hear from Prince, but everything from now on is just going to be his thoughts from the past. Um, yeah. You know, so uh yeah so i guess this is you know for for most people this is the end of prince's career uh you know there are a few more tracks to talk about but you know for sake of clarity this is the final track of prince's final album uh and so you know uh is there anything that you wish to one final time plug oh yeah you can uh find me on uh twitter at eh wallace and you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track. You can find us on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us. I don't think there's any point doing it now. At PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Uh, unless, of course, you want to just tell me how much you've enjoyed the podcast. By all means, do that. Uh, yeah. Thanks once more for being my guest one final time, Elliot. Thanks for the entire experience. It's been fantastic. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. I just came to tell y'all From the darkest desperation To the highest bliss to the ones aware, it's nothing bigger than this. Big city, uh. where's my guitar?